Thank you for joining us again for Stories from War Cloister. I'm your host, Joe Mullineux, from Winchester College Society. I'm once again joined by Mike Wallace, former Don. This is the second of two episodes telling the stories of two very different old Wickhamists who served during D-Day. This episode is about Kenneth Gillam, Freddieite, 1936 to 1941. This is another D-Day story. One of the main attractions of this narrative for me is that it gives the lie to the, in my view, prejudice that all public schoolboys immediately went into the armed services as officers. I could give you examples from the Great War as well, of OWs often choosing to serve in the ranks for many different and complex reasons, but that would be another podcast. Kenneth Gillam. Kenneth was a Freddieite. He was in the school from 1936 to 1941. Kenneth had two other brothers in the school, one in Freddies and another who was a college man. Kenneth was a house prefect and a member of the officer training corps. Little is known of his time in the college other than wachamical tales and indeed some speculation. I think it's best to describe him as a bit of a maverick. It was known from house records that in his final year he was occasionally found at Chilcombe, just outside Winchester, where he helped on a farm, driving the tractor and riding horses. This apparently happened at times during up to books hours. It is also speculated that there was a rather pretty farmer's daughter. He left Winchester in the summer of 1941. He headed for Cambridge but quickly changed his mind and joined the Royal Armoured Corps in 1942. He found there was not enough challenge and excitement in this. And when the call went out across the army for volunteers for the newly formed British Airborne Forces, he signed up immediately. The whole nature of airborne troops clearly appealed to his thirst for adventure and swift engagement with the enemy. Not only was there the obvious adrenaline rush and test of courage of jumping out of a perfectly serviceable aircraft, to quote the cliché, and then float or plummet down to earth in the midst of anti-aircraft fire, enemy ground troop small arms fire, but also the question of how to survive on the ground and rally together once you had landed. Paratroops perforce are lightly armed, and their survivability, faced with armoured attack, is limited. Initiative, aggression, independence and drive, not by any means unique to airborne troops, are required, however, in abundance by airborne soldiers. Come the build-up to D-Day, Kenneth had earned his Redberry, but was not serving in one of the parachute battalions. His renegade, maverick character had taken him to an independent Pathfinder company, the 22nd. Their job was to parachute in first, and absolutely first, in order to mark out the drop zones and for gliders landing zones with radio beacons, lights and panels, and then defend that zone until the main body of the division, in the case of D-Day 6th Airborne, arrived. Gillam was one of ten men under Captain Ian Tate to land in the dark in the early hours of the 6th of June at Bas de Ronville, not far indeed from the more famous Pegasus Bridge. This was at the eastern end of the assault beaches, essentially behind Sword Beach. They successfully secured this drop zone N. Once the main body of the division had landed in numbers, 22 independent Pathfinder Company came together and then fought as parachute infantry under the direction of the divisional headquarters. 
coming under the direction and command of the divisional headquarters, emphasised the combat value which was placed within this independent company. In front of Gillen's parachute brigade lay the fortified village of Bréville. The whole area had to be secured before the march onto the town of Caen could commence, and Caen, in this instance, was the operational objective. The area landed on was held by the German 716th Coastal Infantry Division. Unfortunately, their sister division was the 21st Panzer Division of Africa Corps fame. Not quite the same quality of its time in the desert under Rommel. Nevertheless, 21st Panzer was a formidable and efficient force. The fighting in and around Breville was fierce and unforgiving. Eventually, the village fell to British forces on June the 12th. However, at some point on the 9th of June, Gillam, while engaged in close quarter battle with Panzer Grenadiers, was killed. He was one month short of his 21st birthday. We visited his grave in Ronville, CWGC, on the OW tour of September 2013 and laid a wreath at his tombstone. His inscription reads, He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Stories from War Cloister. If you've enjoyed this podcast or would like to listen to previous episodes, we can be found on your preferred podcast app. Listen to the first episode about D-Day, telling the story of Nicholas Somerville. If you want to find out more about the old Wickhamists remembered in War Cloister, they can be found at winchestercollegeatwar.com. The link is in the show notes. <laughs>